I think we've all had like a million dollar idea, right? And even at Airlift, there's many, uh, many instances where someone says like, okay, you know, it would be great if this thing happened. And, you know, that's like not valuable at all, right? Like someone like just mm. saying something or someone giving an idea, like everybody kind of has an, you know, a general idea of what would be great if it happened, right? So we kind of uh, emphasize on getting it done, right? Like, uh, even if you can't do it, do it yourself, kind of mobilizing a team or, you know, kind of leading uh, that that change. And that can be there if you even have your own startup or if you're working for a startup like Airlift. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pakistanomy. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about Airlift, a mass transit startup that has made a tremendous difference when it comes to the provision of urban mobility services to Pakistanis. It has also catalyzed growth in Pakistan's startup ecosystem, recently raising $10 million in a funding round. To talk about the startup and where it is headed, I have with me Sabah Abid, who is the general manager at Airlift. Sabah, welcome to Pakistanomy. Hi there, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm good and I, I was just, it's interesting the electricity went out so I hope our connection stays solid throughout this conversation but I want to start off with uh, you know learning more about Airlift, what the mission is of the company and what issues is the startup trying to solve for in Pakistan? Sure. So, I mean, our mission is basically to change uh, through technology how, uh, you know, people kind of live their lives, right? Um, that, uh, you know, started with us uh, venturing into the mobility space because, uh, you know, there, there was a huge gap. Uh, I think anyone who's uh, kind of grown up in Pakistan knows um, that transport has been a pain point, um, you know, especially, uh, you know, for women. So it actually started with, uh, you know, an idea to facilitate women from going uh, for going to work and kind of things like that to um, help with women empowerment. But then, uh, you know, as uh, you know, the idea kind of matured, men started speaking up and said, like, listen, it's not like we have, you know, uh, other options or we have facilities um, so so it kind of became like a mass transit system that uh, you know that's kind of how it shaped right the idea um, so you know uh, you know growing up in Pakistan it's always been um, quite an issue uh, for people uh, to get to work uh, because the public transport over here is often like oh, very very overly crowded there are no assigned bus stops um, there's like no place that you can check routes uh, it's pretty informal and a lot of times you know it's kind of a place where you kind of are, don't feel very secure right you can get pickpocketed um, you know there can be there are harassment issues all sorts of problems um, so so that's kind of uh, the problem we were, we were um, trying to solve um, with transit uh, is to get to people to get people to schools to get to be uh, people to um, you know their workplaces in a safe and secure way but I think the general vision when you talk about or the mission of the company is generally uh, to transform how you know Pakistanis and uh, you know we, we do hope to kind of expand out of Pakistan as well at some point um, but you know how people uh, can use technology to change how they live and, and then now we've just ventured into groceries um, and that has kind of came into point, uh, kind of being right after COVID 
we realized like you know a lot of people were putting themselves at risk by just doing very very basic things like grocery shopping and when we looked at the market there are many many competitors and many people doing online grocery but we thought we there was a gap uh, about like how people were doing um, uh, providing the service uh, you know there were many uh, pain points that customers pointed to so we kind of uh, you know built a model that was addressing those pain points that we just launched uh, you know day before yesterday no that's great and I, I want to talk more about grocery uh, the vision around grocery as well but you're right right in transportation in Pakistan it's not a fun activity especially in an urban city like Karachi where we often see pictures of people hanging by a thread on a bus or sitting on its roof and going to work. And essentially, if you look at uh, how productive people are, you're not going to be that productive at work or have a great day if you've, had, if you've gone through that experience. And then when you're going home, um, it's the same. You're not going to be that tuned in to home when you've had that experience. So it is providing that respectable, comfortable ride that a person takes day in, day out. And in fact, a lot of people do need that because not everyone can afford Kareem. I was looking at the Pakistan Bureau of Statistics data, and even the richest quintile of Pakistani households make on average about 75,000 rupees, right? Which is, you can't afford Kareem at that level to take it every, every single day to come, come and go to work. Um, so who is the typical customer um, for Airlift? And what is their journey like in terms of how do they use your service Do they? pay by cash? Do they make reservations? And what is the typical profile or demographic of that consumer? Yeah. So I'll first talk about the, the demographic and the profile and we'll move towards like the user journey, right? So I think, so the, the typical uh, kind of customer uh, is either uh, a university student and we kind of found that we didn't realize we had so many university students on our platform until like there was the shutdown for universities where mm. workplaces were open and universities were shut when there was the first case of Corona in Karachi. And we saw our utilization fall, you know, to half. And we were quite surprised because we thought we were serving like uh, people going to work. And then we realized that no, we were served, half of our customers were actually students. Uh, mm. So that was, uh, I think, something that was surprising to us. Um, the second thing is like the, the other half, like I mentioned, are mostly office uh, kind of going, uh, salaried uh, professionals um, that are going to work uh, day in, day out. So we can see that very clearly with the routes that we make and the routes that do well. Um, they kind of uh, generally come from like the high density um, areas in Karachi uh, and they go towards, uh, and I'm talking about the morning route, and they go towards, uh, you know, the, the, the central business districts, which is like I Chundriga Road or M.A. Jinnah Road, uh, sorry, or Empty um, Khan Road or, you know, things like that. So, uh, you know, that's who we're serving right now. Um, but I think uh, in terms of the user journey, um, Generally, what people have to do, so we don't accept uh, cash, actually, uh, for Airlift. Hmm. It's a totally digital uh, kind of uh, payment platform. Uh, we have, you know, uh, you can do it by bank transfer, credit cards, or like Easy Pesa and Jazz Cash. Um, so, so people are generally paying through those mediums. And uh, the way it works is, uh, you know, you kind of put in your location, like for example, you want to go from home to work. So you put in your home location, you put in your work location, and it kind of then sees like, you know, um, so they're pre-kind of uh, determined routes, right? So it won't be like Kareem that, you know, something will come to your house and pick you. So it's basically going to see uh, within, uh, 
you know, the area that you've said, like, what's the closest walk uh, to your stop and then mm. the times at the stop and it's going to take you closest location to your workplace, right? So everything is kind of predetermined. Um, and generally, we try to make it in a way that we are uh, kind of covering most areas of Karachi and most uh, kind of office spaces as well. And we've tried to make our routes in a way where, uh, you know, we kind of, uh, you know, have an understanding of when people are going to work and when they're coming back. So we, we, we do it uh, according to that. And that's kind of how the user um, can uh, make their bookings. Uh, they can make their booking uh, for up to a week. First, it used to be you had to make a booking daily. And then, like, we got a lot of customer feedback that, you know, kind of making the same booking every day was a little redundant. So we just have launched um, weekly bookings. Uh, you can book multiple people. Um, you know, you can say, like, I want three seats on the bus and things like that. And the payment is uh, taken um, at that point. You can cancel, but yeah. And so in that instance, right, you probably need a lot of predictive modeling to make sure the timings are right and people are getting to where they need to be and they're not waiting. So are you using, what kind of innovations are you guys using to make sure that that part, the underlying infrastructure technology within the app that maps routes and times things properly, how is that taken care of? So we have a great technology team that we do that in-house. First, used to uh, we used to kind of uh, uh, you know depend on Google. Uh, it wasn't working out, like because like you can imagine if you're trying to go to work and you have a scheduled time for like you know you're, it's gonna come pick you up at seven thirty a.m. and you know you're late. By 20 minutes every day and you're waiting uh, especially in Karachi um, people don't like standing on the street with their laptops and their phones and their wallets also it's hot so I think so the delays was something that we try to uh, kind of minimize I think that was our kind of like what we call like P0 our, our first priority um, you know so uh, we did that in-house we kind of used uh, different kind of metrics we used our historical data to figure that out and we actually got our delays uh, to like significantly lower levels we haven't been operating since March because that's when COVID kind of blew up um, in, in Pakistan and still is uh, on the rise so we haven't really resumed our services but by, by March our delays were I don't actually remember the exact percentage but they were um you know very like it was a marked difference uh, when we started using our own technology and that's great right that's that was actually the reason for my question was to highlight the fact that there is a lot of homegrown technology and innovation that is occurring as part of this app's growth or the startup's growth um, and that's important to recognize because at the end of the day google starting off with google is great but we need homegrown solutions and we need technologists within Pakistan who understand Pakistan's urban landscape to build solutions for that landscape. Um, and that is a great thing that's happening as part of Airlift's growth. Um, besides Karachi, what cities are you guys in? And then I want to transition a bit towards the grocery side of the business as well. And what plans do you have for growth on both the transportation and the grocery side of the business in the coming months? I know with COVID, um, things are up in the air. Maybe grocery will see um, accelerated growth in the coming weeks, but in, in general terms, uh, what is the strategic vision for growth of the company? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, like going forward, I mean, uh, you know, I, 
I think we remain super, super excited about transit because as I highlighted before, um, you know, it is uh, something that, you know, we think that there's a major gap, right? Like, and uh, there's a, there's a need in the market that we were fulfilling. But like you said, like, because of COVID, you know, schools are off, uh, universities are off, um, people are generally working from home. And even if people are going to work, they would, we think they, you know, it's probably not best for them uh, to sit in a bus and go. Um, and then there's all these SOPs where the government, where you have to have like 50% capacity and so on. So it's not that like, and then, you know, sometimes there is a lockdown and then the lockdown gets lifted and then you're like, okay, let's, should I resume or is there going to be a lockdown? And there's, so a, there's a smart a, lockdown in certain neighborhoods. Yeah. yeah. So you have no idea, right? Like, uh, because in the sense, like with, uh, uh, with transit, it's a pretty, like, it's a pretty uh, large operation, I would say, right? Like you have to go and you have to get these bus people, uh, like contracts with them and you have to kind of have them, we don't own the buses, but you know, we don't want to disrupt them for two weeks, wherever they're kind of working, bring them onto our platform. And then after two weeks, say like, listen, it's not working out, right? So we want to make a very kind of kind of uh, educated, uh, you know, decision, uh, like a smart decision on when to resume. So we see that kind of happening. I wouldn't, I, Yanni, I think it's like anyone's guess, right? Like when COVID is going to end. Uh, but I think, you know, we think like maybe in the next six months, we can see something changing. Maybe there'll be a vaccine. Maybe we'll all just be used to it or I don't know. Hmm. But I just think like, you know, in the next six months, uh, there will have to be some kind of stability in the world globally. Like, I don't think this is about Pakistan. Globally, we'll have to figure something out. I think that's when we kind of uh, see ourselves resuming with transit. Uh, and the way we want to like grow with transit is right now, like uh, I think you asked which cities we're operating in. So we started in Lahore um, and then we came to Karachi after four months of operations in Lahore, I think. So right now we're just in Lahore and Karachi for transit. And, uh, you know, our plans were to kind of go um, to especially the big cities, you know, that are there in um, Pakistan. I mean, uh, Karachi and Lahore are the biggest, but there are lots of other cities that are booming, um, you know, industries and, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of population in there and there's definitely a need for mass uh, transit over there as well. So we were planning on kind of figuring out where to go next within Pakistan. Um, for grocery, uh, I think, uh, you know, same story. I think grocery, obviously, like uh, COVID is kind of like a boomer for online grocery. But we do think that even when COVID ends, right, like, for example, like, you know, I'm working, I don't have time to go to the grocery store, I would much rather just come home and not stop at the grocery store and be able to cook my dinner, right. So I think uh, the need is not just for COVID, I think it's a true need. And, uh, you know, other countries uh, have kind of uh, proven that that's like a, a, a great business to be in. So uh, we kind of see uh, trans uh, grocery kind of taking off. Uh, but we definitely think like the bigger gap is transit, right. Uh, for grocery, I think the next markets, we're not sure. Uh, you know, Karachi is definitely one of the main contenders because you already have a, a setup here. We have a small team. Uh, the head office is in Lahore for Airlift. So uh, we started in Lahore. So that's great in terms of, you know, groceries and what you have the vision. The one question I had on grocery was, is this going to be essential items that you're going to initially have part of your, uh, uh, of your catalog or is this going to be fresh and vegetables as well? Because I know from my own experience that 
doing quality control on the fresh and vegetable size is at times very difficult, particularly as you scale. So how are you going to be starting off in terms of what you're going to offer to your consumer um, or your, to your customer in terms of the catalog of the products? So right now we don't have any fresh produce, uh, no fruits, no vegetables. Um, we are just kind of doing essential, what we call essential uh, categories that are not fresh, right? Like, so those include, uh, you know, your cooking essentials, your beverages, your breakfast items, uh, like anything, you know, you expect at a grocery store. But we do we do uh, ex- uh, plan on expanding uh, these, these things. Like I think, uh, you know, kids are home. Uh, I think, you know, people would be willing to buy buy stationery, toys, uh, people would be willing to buy, you know, something as basic as a, as a glass, you know, glasses, because I, I think, you know, uh, from running your, your own home, you can see like when you stop kind of uh, going outside, you stop going to shopping malls and so on, there are many needs that kind of start piling up. Um, especially for your, you know, your kitchen and the basic home items. So I think uh, we should be, we'll, we'll kind of uh, continue to add those kind of uh, categories. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember the number of times I've ordered things like kitchen trolls and soap and all sorts of random things from Amazon just because I didn't have them and I woke up and I realized, okay, I need to order something on fresh because I'm too lazy, I'm too busy or too lazy to go out, particularly in COVID times where it's more about safety. So I think that will see a lot of growth and uptake. And I'm guessing even there, you're not going to be uh, doing cash. It's going to be all digital. I hope so, because I think that that's where the country should head but curious to hear your thoughts on that yeah so uh, for actually right now because of kind of uh, you know we've launched with cash uh, actually I was just gonna you know you you were speaking and I thought of another thing so I think one of our biggest and largest value propositions for grocery is not just online grocery right we're delivering it in like 45 minutes uh, so I think that's where we think we'll disrupt the market, right? Uh, because, uh, uh, you know, there isn't any other player that delivers uh, any items really quickly. So when you, for example, you run out of soap and you order it, uh, you know, you don't want it the next day or you don't want it like, uh, you know, five days later. Like, uh, you know, in our research, when we were looking um, through different online stores, some were even saying like, we can't tell you when we're going to deliver your groceries, right? So, uh, you know, because uh, things are delayed due to COVID. So I think that's where we, so our 45 minute value proposition is, I think, uh, something that's unique to the market. Um, uh, Cash, uh, we have uh, started with uh, cash and delivery. Uh, We are introducing other payment mechanisms uh, like credit card and uh, and easy pesa, jazz cash. And then, you know, uh, we're also going to go probably going to, you know, bank transfers and so on, just because not everybody in Pakistan has credit and debit cards. So we have to be mindful of that. Um, so, uh, but we, right now we haven't just made a decision whether we're going to pull uh, cash on delivery. I think the main kind of, uh, there isn't like that much of a reason for it. It's just that like when we were even running transit, that was always a question. Like we always used mm-hmm. to think like, what if we started accepting cash, right? Are we going to see our growth double? Like, is this something that we're just kind of holding ourselves back by saying we're not going to um, collect it? The main thing when transit is, and if you're collecting cash in a bus, that's uh, a little tricky. Then you have a conductor or then you don't have change and things like that, like to manage that in buses. To manage it with delivering things at people's homes is a little easier. Uh, So I think that's kind of the difference between the two models. 
Got it. And I mean, I guess with uh, delivery as well, people want to pay tips. And so cash at times may actually be more convenient for people at home. But um, I think that's it, it, that space needs to be disrupted. And the 45 minute time, I think, will definitely change things up because I agree with you when someone orders soap or a glass or whatever, they probably need it at that point in time or they need it before they're hosting someone or someone is coming over. So um, I think that will change things in, in, in the country as you expand. Um, speaking of the fact that, you know, most, many people don't have access to credit cards or bank accounts in Pakistan, um, what are some of the challenges that you've seen Airlift uh, face in the country? Of course, COVID is one, um, but I mean challenges not only in terms of government policy, which at times can be huge, uh, but just in general of operating in the Pakistani market. Yeah, uh, I mean, some of the challenges, I mean, I think the government has been largely super supportive of us. I don't think at any point we've uh, run into a huge challenge because of uh, the government. Uh, I think they've generally been super supportive. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, the challenges of working, one, I think is a lot of times, you know, when you're a startup, you you, you have to move very fast, right? It's ex almost existential. Like if you don't do things right, people are going to try you once, they're going to try you try twice and they, they kind of then leave you uh, because you don't have a brand, you're not uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, established player in the market or so on so we've uh, you know a lot of times struggled with uh, matching our you know trying to get our partners like you know for example if we're working with an uh, x company to deliver something we just feel like our timelines can be like super aggressive compared to what they expect and a lot of times we find ourselves in positions where you know we're, we're kind of uh, getting slowed down almost right because um, you know like i guess uh, the general maybe sometimes the uh, uh, you know uh, the speed at which um, established companies are doing things is is much slower but i think that's a global problem i don't think that's pakistan specific it's just the startup space just works at a different velocity um, generally so i think that's one of the kind of the challenges of being with the startup and the, the second thing is i think um, uh, I think I'm making this less uh, Pakistan specific because honestly, I don't think there have been many challenges that are very specific uh, to Pakistan. You can say one or two things like security, like, you know, they, you know, uh, we've uh, kind of always struggled and wanted to kind of, uh, we've always, I mean, at least like because I've been managing Karachi, so I always like wish that Karachi was safer and I don't have to worry about one day my, you know, bus getting held up or something of that sort. I think that's kind of, I would say, the only Pakistan-specific challenge that I would say. I would say, say that's a Karachi-specific challenge mostly, Karachi. right? Like, because even mm -hmm. when I talk to the team in Lahore, they're like, I can't believe you have to think about this, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. So I think uh, that's a very Karachi-specific challenge. Uh, but I think uh, the challenges of being in a startup, uh, the other thing is, I think, recruitment, right? Because your team is so important, right? Because that's like what's going to make or break your business. Uh, so I think uh, uh, finding, uh, you know, just finding the right people. And uh, uh, there's almost like, uh, you know, you can have a very, so I think that's, uh, you know, with the right level of being like mission driven, um, you know, hardworking uh, and like, you know, eager to learn because that's um, all what a startup is about. So I think that's another thing that's super, super uh, challenging uh, and, uh, you know, we, yeah.
you, it's interesting you bring up recruiting um, and following up on that, like what I've seen, I mean, it happened a while ago in the US, but it's now happened in India and Bangladesh and other emerging market startup ecosystems is that younger people now have shifted away from initially it used to be a comfortable white collar job at an MNC would be the desired thing, right? Culturally speaking for young grads coming out of uh, top universities. Um, but now it's shifted where young grads either look to start their own companies or they want to join someone like Airlift or, or an emerging startup that's doing well because they want the high pace, high growth uh, type of environment. Have you seen that shift happen in Pakistan as well, where more and more younger people are looking at startups and saying, wait a minute, I actually don't want to go to your typical Unilever or Engro. Actually, if I had a choice, I would go to an Airlift or a Kareem. So basically, you know, we've been seeing uh, the trend here for sure, right? Like, so any kind of new graduates um, that are coming out, uh, you know, a lot of times these FMCGs and these, you know, highly desired companies for like, you know, from the time when I graduated, that's not even on their radar. You know, they're looking at, you know, Airlift, they're looking at Chite, they're looking at Golutlo, they're, you know, they're looking at places where they can kind of get an opportunity. Kareem, Kareem is now not exactly uh, that much of a startup, but you know. It's yeah, yeah they got acquired by Uber, so it's changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know, I think like that's where we're seeing a lot of uh, interest. Uh, and you know, just to further kind of confirm this is that we've had people from these FMCGs leave their jobs and come to us, right? So I think that itself uh, is kind of uh, a proof of the shifting kind of, uh, you know, idea of what a good job is or a good career path is, uh, so as to say, yeah. So speaking of, and it's a good segue into the second part of our conversation that I want to dive into is about becoming an entrepreneur or joining a company like Air, Airlift, which is quite entrepreneurial and young. Um, what are some things in your experience that you would recommend younger folks either looking to join an Airlift or looking to start up their own uh, venture should be mindful of as they begin this journey? Because clearly, an FMCG will give you a career development path and there will be bureaucracy and HR processes, et cetera, that will handhold you. Doesn't happen in startups. Startups are high impact, high velocity jobs. So what would you advise these younger people as they look towards um, an airlift or another startup in the country or maybe even start their own thing? Yeah. So I think there's just some general kind of values and general uh, kind of uh, themes to, to to follow, right? If you if you want to be successful, either at a startup or starting your own, you know, kind of business. Uh, so I think one of them is to uh, be um, like we call it like bias to action, right? It's just like you know. I think we've all had like a million dollar idea, right? And even at Airlift, there's many, uh, many instances where someone says like, okay, you know, it would be great if this thing happened. And, you know, that's like not valuable at all, right? Like someone like this mm. saying something or someone giving an idea, like everybody kind of has an, you know, a uh, general idea of what would be great if it happened, right? So we kind of uh, emphasize on getting it done, right? Like, uh, even if you can't do it, do it yourself, kind of mobilizing a team or, you know, kind of leading uh, that that change. And that can be there if you even have your own startup or if you're working for a startup like Airlift. Like, for example, if I feel like we should bring in, uh, you know, uh, 
these X, Y, Z categories, like saying that, you know, let's do it. I think uh, what, what is expected at Airlift is that then you contact all the different people within your organization, outside your organization that can make it happen and you channelize that. And I think that's what we kind of feel is what leaders do, right? Um, so I think that's one of the, uh, the major things. And the second thing I would uh, say is that, you know, just be like a total sponge, right? Right. Like, I think this having the humility and, uh, you know, understanding that even if you've, you're super successful, you don't know anything, right? I think having that uh, kind of attitude where you're constantly learning, you don't get too bogged down by your mistakes because you're going to make mistakes and it's okay. Right. Uh, I think that's uh, especially like something, uh, you know, when uh, you I've always worked at kind of larger organizations before I moved to Airlift. Uh, and generally over there, you had more time. You were more kind of uh, conscious of doing your work very, very properly. Uh, and at Airlift, like you have one hour to do something that you maybe had like two days to do at an FMCG or something of that sort. Right. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, you something happens, or you're not able to do your best or whatever it is. Right. Or, you know, someone's pressurizing you to get it done and you're not being able to done get it done i think there have been many many instances but i think what i've learned from being at a startup is i just like keep learning just think okay next time what could i have done to make it better rather than you know kind of uh, feel uh, you know you failed or something of that sort uh, i think another thing that's really really important is relentlessness right like i think one of the kind of uh, main things that you know got airlift to work is basically kind of breaking all barriers, right? Somebody says, no, like you can't do this. Like, okay, but like, uh, you know, initially I was tasked like for a grocer to form the entire like merchandise, right? Like all the items that we were going to sell. And when, you know, I was like, you know, I just kind of thought about it. I was like, how am am I going to populate like thousands of items? Like it just makes no sense. And initially I was like, okay, maybe we should hire somebody. But you know, once you start kind of, get on that journey you figure it out you you involve the right partners you say okay i need this resource i think uh, kind of uh, having that kind of relentlessness and knowing that you will make it work i think that kind of belief in yourself that's very important but obviously being open to feedback as well yeah i think pro tip for anyone listening and who may find themselves being interviewed by sabha at airlift if you have an idea about what airlift should do also pitch a proposal on what and what the project plan looks like and what you may be willing to do on day one in terms of running with the thing might get you a job. But I think that's a very important thing, right? That you need to think through, be relentless and in many ways problem solve, right? And break it down into smaller chunks and say, okay, I have a big thing, but how can I take it into bite-sized chunks and, and, and move with it? And sometimes you may actually not make progress because you thought of it a different way. But if you're willing to learn and ask people and involve them, then it can only accelerate your own growth, but also the growth of the business that that you're part of. Um, From your personal experience, again, um, working in a startup, um, where does Pakistan startup ecosystem go from here? How excited are you about where it is? And what are some areas where it needs to improve on? Because like from my vantage point, again, um, it is still an ecosystem that is maturing. It has a long way to go to catch up, uh, even among peer economies. Um, and part of the success criteria for any ecosystem, right, is the cluster and the people that make up the entire ecosystem and how they collaborate. So just curious to hear your thoughts of, around where the ecosystem is from your vantage point and where do you see it going? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it's at its early stages, right? 
um you know if you if we compare uh it to globally like the funding that comes into pakistani companies is much much smaller uh you know than it's going into like a lot of other uh countries so that's totally there um and i think one of the main things is like i think even when you know uh we were getting investments into airlift i mean first round capital was like kind of the one who was leading the round the first round and it was uh you know we now we know them and we were talking to them and uh you know i think one of the partners was like you know when i pitched that okay i want to invest in this company in pakistan everybody asked like you couldn't find anything else like you know okay. why pakistan right so i think yeah. there's that uh, there's kind of that uh, question right like you know why would you so i think that's going to change once we have a few success cases we're going to be able to put it on the map uh, and i think we're going to answer the question of why pakistan right i think that's what we need to do we need to prove uh, that you know you don't you you don't have to i think a lot of pakistanis actually have very successful startups but they're not in pakistan uh you know you have keep trucking kareem was half pakistani this and all of that so i think uh you know there hasn't been so many in like you know homegrown kind of uh, startups that have really reached a uh, global kind of uh, you know fame or or expansion so i think that would help our case and i think in that way we're still at very early stages but i definitely see um you know you can see like there's some funding coming in i mean there's covid right now but there's still some funding coming in and i think uh, like you said like as uh, you know people people make up um, the actual uh, kind of uh, it's it's the kind of people that startups are going to attract right so if you get the highest caliber high potential people working i think we'll see a turnaround really really quickly yeah and i think it it's exciting right because as you said like for uh, someone who's not familiar with pakistan they may say why have you gone all the way out into the wild wild west of startups and found me this investment opportunity but that is a huge opportunity too right and one of the things i tell people who are not familiar with pakistan i'm like well look at all the big fmcg companies they've they've all done phenomenally well in pakistan and they've been here for a number of years so that is a case in point about the market and the fact that it has a lot of potential and i think startups will um catch up and grow and you know airlift airlift is leading that charge in in many ways and uh, hope and to see it succeed even in the grocery business and once covid is over see the transportation side of things move because i think that is so important to the overall economy if you can move people efficiently make sure they're productive at home uh make sure they're productive at work and their experience and journey day in day out is is not as inconvenient as it often is um the whole economy benefits so wish you all the best thank you for taking out the time this was a great discussion and uh we'll be in touch soon again thank you so much is there thanks it was great being here thank you thank you for tuning in for another episode of pakistanomy um this was a great discussion i hope you enjoyed it as well if you do like our content please subscribe to us on youtube like our channel on facebook and check us out on twitter we'll see you next week